the new year. Let's get right into this. Irma Bombeck said, I will not go to a doctor whose office plants have died. This is New Year's resolutions from Irma Bombeck. I'm going to follow my husband's suggestion to put a little excitement in my life by living within my budget. I'm going to apply for a hard scholarship to Weight Watchers. And then I will never loan my car to anyone I give birth to. Irma Bombeck, New Year's resolutions. We all know resolutions are good. And, you know, obviously, people don't keep them that long, but... I heard a story about one guy who dialed his girlfriend and got the following recording. I'm not available right now, but thank you for caring enough to call me. I am making some changes in my life. Please leave a message after the beep. If I do not return the call, you are one of the changes. <laughs> you know, people think about, about the New Year's and, you know, they be the, you hear people talk about being the best they can be and you should and I get all that. Um, changing, becoming the best version of yourself. Uh, but you know, when the Bible says in the book of John, it says that he gave us power to become children of God to everyone that believes. Now the version simply says he gave you the power or the right to become a child of God. You know, God works in our lives, not so we can become a better me or a better you, but we can become more like Christ. That's why he gives us the power. Not so we can run faster, lift more weights, none of those things, but he gives you, he gives us power it's not about us and becoming more like us. No, it's about you and I. We have the power to be a child of God. We have the power to live as a Christian should live. And hopefully as time goes on that Christ grows in us. We change and people can see Jesus living in our life. That's what he gives you power to do. You see, I want to change. Well, God gives us that power to change. It's available to anyone. So it doesn't matter where you're at right now. Everyone in this place listening to me, you can change. God's power is available for everyone. Doesn't matter the habit you've had all last year, maybe you had all your life, out of the addictions, the bondage, whatever it might be, trust me, God's power is real and He can change you. But you have to let Him change you. I was reading some, uh, just a few articles on New Year's resolutions. And I never, I never saw this before, so I, I thought it was interesting enough to share with you for a moment. Out of all the New Year's resolutions that I went through and I read different books, just different things, the news and stuff, not one of the New Year's resolutions said, I want to make more money. And it may have in the past, but everyone I read this time, not one person said, I want to make more money. Most people said something like this. I want to be, start being more loving, more kind. I want to get people a better version of myself. I want to serve others. I want to stop ignoring people. And I want to spend time with loved ones. That's what they wanted. Most of them said the same thing. I want to be a better person. I'm going to love better. This is what I want to do. You would think people, first thing I want to do, I'll make a lot more money, lose weight. That's usually the tops, losing weight, okay? But most people said, no, no, you know what? I, I want anything. I want, to, I want to be a better person. And these weren't Christian surveys. You know, the world wants to change. They really do. They may not come out and say it, like, but they really do want to change Someone was talking about success, and I just thought about this. Someone have asked me, and I've really said, I've never said it like this, but I've expressed this differently. What, what is success? To me as a pastor, what's success to you as a pastor or a father or a husband? Success to me is this, is just that my children want to spend time with me. And my church wants to spend time with me, most of you. 
Because it's so sad there are people that their own kids don't even want to be on their parents. Not that it's the fault of the parents. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. But I've known a lot of families that their families broken, shattered a thousand places. I mean, it's all broken up. And I love the fact that my kids, and they really are, my best friends are my kids. Each one's totally different. Nate, Elisha, Eugene, a totally different relationship with each one. I mean, like night and day difference, but they're my best friends. Amen. And that, it's not because I read a book on how to make your kids your best friends. I just try to be a Christian. Not the best. I think my kids do a better job than I did as a parent, truthfully. But I'm honest about it. I'm open, and I, I want to change. But the fact that, you know, my kids want to spend time with me. Look, trust me, parents, if you can win your kids, that's successful. From the holidays, your kids done no time for you, something's wrong with that picture. But what happens is prior to that, there's things, you got to put some things into your own children, like love and fam- love for the family. You put that in them, it's a part of who they are. And they, they want to spend time with you. It's just how they've been raised. And that's where my wife comes in the picture. My wife, Carmen, she brought that element into our marriage, into our life, about love and loving the family. I didn't really have that growing up like that. And she brought that element into the family. First time I saw her brother holding her hand, and I didn't know it was her brother. And I said, who's that guy holding your hand? She goes, dummy, that's my brother. <laughs> oh, well, you better not hold your hand too much. <laughs> my brother, shut up. <laughs> okay, Carmen. And so, I want to be a better person. I want to be a better pastor, a better Christian, more loving. You know, but it, I know it comes, with the, it comes with the cost. A friend of mine has texted me, I think, three times now. He did like a month ago. I don't know why he texted me during Sunday morning service. Well, I know why, because he's not in church, right? He's unsaved. A guy I went to high school with uh, 10 years ago. Um, and he texts me these guys' names. The people that he texts me, their names were, all, were the, kind of the stars of the high school. And he texts me their name because they just died. Last time he texted me, another one dropped a bucket, Carrie. Another one dropped a bucket. Still outliving them. And these guys were all the stars in high school. The guys who had it all together. And I mean, they were, they were it, and now they're gone. And every time I get a text like that, I got one like three months ago. I was preaching, I saw it. Now one died, and I thought, thank God I'm alive. And we're alive. And so this morning, I want to talk about peace. I call it peace be still, finding the peace and the power to face the new year. Because there is a way to find the peace, and there is a power that God gives us. Let's just get right into the text. I'm not going to read it all, but let's go to Mark chapter 4, verse... 36, I believe, and even in the same day, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they left the crowd, and the disciples got into the boat where Jesus had already been sitting, and they took him with them. The other boats were there too, and suddenly a strong wind blew, and the waves began to spill over to the boat so that it began to fill with water, and Jesus was in the back. <clears throat> Jesus was in the back of the boat, sleeping with his head on a pillow. Disciples woke him and said, teacher, don't you care that we're about to die? Jesus stood up and commanded the wind, be quiet, and said to the waves, be still. And the wind died down. There's a great calm. Then Jesus said to his disciples, why are you so frightened? Why is it you have no faith? And they were terribly afraid, began to say one to another, who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. It had a heart. The disciples throughout their journey with Jesus 
never really got who Jesus really was. Which I wouldn't say I would have either, but they never really fully understood Jesus was actually God. When they're afraid, when they shouldn't be afraid. And they worry when they shouldn't worry because they didn't understand who Jesus really was. So that's our story here. And there's one phrase that simply says that Jesus tells the disciples, get into a boat, we're going to go to the other side. Everyone here this morning, you know the truth is, we're just trying to make it to the other side. I say the other side, I'm using it as an illustration of heaven. Oh, we're all here, we're all trying to just get to the other side. That's it. I'm just trying to get to the other side. That's it. I'm really simple. When Pastor Mitchell would call me every now and we'd talk, he'd say, what's up, what are you up to? He'd say, what are you up to, Mejia? i said, Pastor Mitchell, I'm just trying to save one more day and stay married one more day. And I was serious. He said, that's good. It's good. Stay saved, stay married one more day, one day at a time. We're all just trying to get to the other side. And so it's a story of people get, trying to get to the other side, and it's a story of storms. There's so much in these stories. I didn't want to take this story and break it down so much that we're still preaching on it next year. <laughs> but I do want to cover a few, I think, important things, simple things that help all of us. <clears throat> Again, it's a, it's a continuation from last week. So if you listen to last week's, it'll kind of bring you up to speak, so I don't have time to go over that. This morning, all of us, it's my guess, we're in one of three places this morning. Either you're in a storm right now, you're coming out of a storm, or you're heading into a storm. I'll say it again. All of us are, in a, either you're in a storm right now, or you're coming out of a storm, or you're about to head into one. So a few simple things about storms that we all know, they come suddenly and they come often. That's what happened in our story. And we know one split second our whole life can change. One phone call, one visit from the doctor, an accident, a job loss, relationship, one argument with a husband or a wife can end a marriage in just a few, it's a short amount of time. I read an article about this guy who works out, and what got my attention was the guy was never been sick, he's perfect health, a young man, I think at 37 or 38, rides 26 miles a day on his bicycle, works two hours after that on weights. He's perfectly fit his whole life, and he's in the gym and has a massive heart attack. He's on the treadmill, falls over. And it happened to be someone in the gym learned how to do compression. Someone, and they did this, they learned how to do this years ago, went and tried to do what they'd been taught, tried to get the guy going. And the paramedic said, had that guy not done that, that young man would have been dead. He's not young, he's 38, 40. He said, I would have never dreamed in my lifetime. When I hear about people dropping dead or having problems, I always never thought about me. He said, it's amazing how life can change in one second. Perfect health. So we know that. We've lived long enough. We, we know things can change very quick. We know the story of the disciples. We'll get into it more detail. They honestly think they're going to die. And we, let me just say this. You know, when, when, when they hit this storm, and the, these are seasoned sailors, at least four of the people on the ship are seasoned sailors, they're used to storms in the Sea of Galilee. It's not unusual. They're used to crazy storms. But this storm was unusually different. This, uh, this storm or this battle that they, they go into, it's a whole new dimension. It's, another, it's a place they had never gone before. And that's why they're so freaked out. That's why they're so troubled. You know, we, we can look at them and laugh, but my heart goes out to them because I think it's a picture of life because every one of us, not all the time, but every one of us will have points and times that you're going to go through a storm 
like nothing you've ever gone through before. And I'm not saying every storm. No, most storms are not like that. Most storms you get through, you know what to do, and you make it through. But there are some storms that will leave you speechless. There's some storms that would leave you just praying in tongues and crying. Not even knowing what to say or how to do it. Not, and sometimes you're so desperate, you ain't got time for being kind and nice. It's not like, Lord, you know, I'm getting ready to die. I'm just wondering, Lord, Father, God of heaven and earth, and I wonder if you can help me. No, what do we say? God, help me. That's right. That's right. Ain't time for the nice. We're desperate. We're hurting. So the disciples are crying out because this is very unusual what's happening. So there's moments, I think it's a picture of life in our lives as we live, there are moments we will hit a storm that everything within you, you honestly think this is over, it appears hopeless, but it pushes you, and my point is this, it will push you beyond yourself. It will push you to the place that you have no more resources. You don't know what to do. You, you, you really think it, it's over. That's where the disciples are at. So we read it, and people that kind of make fun of them, why are they afraid? Well, trust me, there'll be moments when you're afraid too. There'll be moments in your Christian life where you're going to say just what they said, do you even care? There will, those moments will happen to you. So that's where the disciples are at. They're freaking out. They tell Jesus they're going to die. John MacArthur said, it's a dark day when sailors call on a carpenter to get him out of the storm. It's good. So there's no points here. If you're going to have a point, maybe uh, just say something about storms in general. Storms come, they bring destruction without discrimination. Destruction without discrimination. The Bible says, doesn't matter if you're saved or unsaved, it rains on the just and the unjust. It, it doesn't, you know, and that's the truth of it. The Bible says, if you fail under pressure, your strength is too small. Because when the storms come, you know what it does? It's a reality check of our spiritual progress. It's a reality check of our spiritual progress. It, it will identify, it will locate your spiritual life in a heartbeat. It's a reality check. The lights are on. There's something going wrong here. The Bible says in Jeremiah, God's talking to Jeremiah. The Lord said, Jeremiah, if you get tired racing against people, how can you run against the horses? And what he's talking about, you think this is hard, it's going to get a lot harder. Facing your trial, facing your storms. I was listening to this pastor talk about storms that happened in Texas. And if I hear something, I, I, don't, I don't like quote something unless I read it myself. I'll go back and research to make sure it's true what the person was saying. And this was, a, this was, it's hard to even believe this, but listen to this. Most of you remember, I don't know if you remember the, the Hurricane Harvey. 2017. The Hurricane Harvey 2017 caused $125 billion in damage. The whole, it was like a week long, Harvey dropped 33 trillion gallons of water in a week. Listen to this. On Houston, Harvey dropped 9 trillion gallons of water on Houston. They said this was unheard of. In fact, uh, when the storm happened, it was so, so bad, they had come up with two new colors to, uh, to mark the severity of the storm. They didn't have purple before. They came up with two shades of purple because never in history had they ever seen anything like this, ever. But Harvey, he drops 50, uh, 9 trillion gallons on Houston. 
And to put this in context, to give an idea how much water that is, that's like filling up 15 million uh, Olympic-sized swimming pools in just five days. And really, you study it out, it's only like 24 inches, somewhere to 36 inches, they just dropped that short amount of time. And we know lives were lost, $125 billion gone, lives were lost, it was, it was devastation. And they said, the, the, the governor said, it's not going to take a week to come out of this, it's going to take years to rebuild. We've never seen this kind of thing happen, it happened. But what caught me about the storm, or if you remember this part of it, and that's why I bring it up, is when the storm was happening... There were people that were trying to find refuge. Do you remember that? In Houston, different places. And so they'd go to the church. During the storm, they went to this church to open their doors and let them in the church. Joe Olstein was one of the churches. Yeah, he went and opened the doors of his church, even though his church actually had water in it. It wasn't the safest place anyway. But there were a lot of other good churches in Houston that refused to open their doors. People were looking for a shelter, and they said no. Now... Hear me out. Hear me out fully. I'm not trying to be cold or indifferent, but when this happened, all these news channels were saying stuff about the church. Well, what's the church? Where's the church at in all this? What's the church going to do? Look at the church. And all they did was blow up what the church wasn't doing. But let me flip the switch here. Flip the, go this way. That's all true, but they're all yelling out and saying things. Where's the church? They need to open up. They need to do this. But here, I got one quick, simple question. You know, where's the church? Well, why are you getting mad that the church is closed when before the storm came, the store was open and you didn't go? To me, it's just common sense. Well, okay, you're mad now that it's closed, but when it's open, you didn't go. So what you, what you all so mad about? Even people during the COVID, our own church, not our own people, people call, text me, is your church open? They wouldn't know the church open, and they didn't even come. It's like when you check the church, you need to be open. Well, you need a beer. Come on. So people say, where's the church? Where's the church at? Well, the church is the same place it's always been before the storm came. Right here, 22640 Golden Kiss Drive. The church is the same place it always was before the storm came. It's still here. So I don't know what the next year holds or what time's going to hold for all of us, but the church is here, and sometimes people ignore it until the storm comes. And what's really sad about the story of Harvey, in most of these storms, they, the rescue workers go to the people's houses and try to rescue them. And some of the people say, no, we're going to ride it out. You know, God offers salvation to everyone. God offers, say, I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to rescue your soul. I'm going to save your soul. I want none to perish. That's why I'm waiting. That's why I'm waiting. Second Peter says, I'm waiting so y'all can get saved. I'm waiting. Uh, right, but people say, I'm going to write it out. And what happens? They die spiritually. And what is so sad when someone dies, they didn't have to die. if They just simply got in the rescue boat. And so who knows what our future holds? But I know one thing. God extends his hand to save as many as possible. Can you say amen? But don't be one of those people that refuse. Help when it comes your way. And the reason why people refuse to help is because they honestly think they're okay. Storm comes and they don't even recognize it's about to take place. They don't recognize the severity of it. And they say, that's okay. I don't need to answer the altar call. I'll write it out. I'm okay. I'm not that bad. I'm not saying yeah, but I know that. I'll write it out. You're not going to write it out. You don't write out sin. So I'll get that off my chest. Where's the church? Right here. 
Same place it's been for, I think, 20 years. The Bible says, the Lord is not slow to do what he has promised. Some think instead he's patient with you because he does not want anyone to be destroyed but wants all to return from their sins. So let's, we don't know this next year is going to hold. But I'd say, we can confidently say here, people will face some issues and storms, right? Of some sort, some sort. Let me move on. The storm, I call it just simple, key to survival is preparation. In Matthew, Jesus said, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. It's like the person who builds his house on solid rock. The rain comes, the floods rise, the winds beat upon the house, it won't collapse because it's built upon the rock. Listen to this. But anyone who hears my teaching, people automatically think this is he's talking to unsaved people. Well, most people that hear his teaching aren't unsaved people. Some past, in fact, some preachers say it's a church. I, I don't know, but these are people that hear his teaching. There are people that hear his teaching and obey it. And the Bible says, those who hear my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. It's like the person who builds a house on the sand. When the rains and the floods come, the winds beat upon the house, and the collapse of the house is mighty, or the fall of the house, or the destruction of the house. And in a house is a home, and in the home there's children. So because the foundation wasn't right, everyone in that house is going to face destruction. The foundation, parents, listen to me, foundations are critical. They're vital if you expect to outlive, you expect to make it through the storm. The foundation that you're building or fail to build is very, very important. You, you can't ignore the foundation. And if you do, it's to your own demise. Storm, storm slant against your family. They won't survive if you're building your life on the sand. They come without a warning. And if you're not building it right, the family will pay the price. You know, parents sometimes want to build on the sand, and they want their kids to be people that build their life on the rock, but they don't. It doesn't work that way. I'll get to that maybe next week or maybe today. I'll come back to that thought. Hudson Taylor, founder of the China Inland Mission, was talking to a young missionary about storms, life, work. And he said, look at this. He pounded his fist on a table. There's a teacup there, and the tea spilled all over the table. While the startled young man was wondering what was going on, Taylor said, when you begin your work, you will be buffeted in many storms, many different ways. The trials will be like blows, but remember... These blows will bring out what is only in you. What is in you comes out in the storm. You don't know it's in there until the storm comes. It's a reality check of what's in you. That's what he's saying. And the time to develop resources is not when the storm hits you. The time to develop resources is, is to have something in place before the storm comes. You want to survive a storm. You don't get ready in the middle of the storm. You get ready before the storm.
And so if you don't spend time with the Lord in the calm of life, you won't know how to trust him in the storms of life. Because in the calms of life is where you gain strength, you gain power, you gain everything you need is just a simple acts of devotion to God, personal devotion to God. All those simple little things seem like nothing, but they are, they are so, so important. I remember when I had the, my first or second incident, I was in the hospital, they kept me a little bit longer. And I got my phone, finally got my phone, and you know, they, they thought it was a mini stroke, so I'm doing research on my phone. Doctor comes in. I said, hey, doc. I said, I've been reading on many strokes. He said, yeah. And I said, I found out that many strokes, one of the things they suggest for people to do is to use a sauna. I said, did you know that, doc? He said, yeah. I said, all the articles I read said one of the best things they could use is use a sauna on a regular basis. It would really help them. If you have 50% chance less of having another, having another stroke, if they begin to use a sauna. So I said that to the doctor. He said, yeah, yeah you're right, you're right, yeah. I said, and? He said, people don't do it. He said, there's a lot of things people should do, they don't do. He said, why do you ask me about a sauna? Do you have a sauna? I said, yeah. You use it? I said, yeah. How often do you use it? I told him. And I said, I do this, this, and this. He said, you know what, son? Your routines may have saved you. Your routine spiritually is what's going to save you, Christian. Listen to me. Greatness isn't made in the madness of the moment. Greatness is made day by day, just the small things you do consistently over time. Your routines may have saved you, young man. Hmm. Jesus said in John, he said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace. In the world you will have tribulation and distress and suffering, but be courageous, be confident, be filled with joy. Now the version says, I told you this so that my people will be filled with Peace. God wants us to live in peace. So here's the story. Here it is. Here's the disciples. <clears throat> Moving forward, what I like about the disciples, when the storm comes, it didn't take them too long to find Jesus. They, they knew where he was at. So in my mind, they got, they got enough sense to, when they got on the boat, they wanted to make sure he was in the boat. I know this is really simple. Some, some of you might miss it. It'd be so simple. They got on the boat because they knew Jesus was in the boat. It's a wise person that before you set off going, what you do what you want to do, go in the direction you want to go, that you realize before I do my thing, Jesus is on my boat. You don't go off in a certain direction unless you, unless you know that the Lord is with you. And the disciples had a good enough sense to say, we ain't going to sail without knowing or guaranteeing that the Lord is on our ship. We ain't going to the other side. If you ain't, you, we ain't going, no, no, with you, we'll go. Without you, we're not going to go. So that brings me to a point. One of the best things you can do in life is to learn to evoke and invite God into the ship before you sail. I'll say it again. One of the best things you can do in life is to learn to, to invoke and invite God into the ship before you sail. Because it is a sad, sad thing when storms hit people's lives. And pastors see it. You've seen it. And in the middle of the storm, they find out they don't have Jesus on board. Okay, well, what, what's going on? You know, we're, 
he ain't on board. Well, now's not the time to go looking for him. You know, you got to find him. Yeah, but he should have been on board all along. Can you say amen? So let's make some, can I preach here? Here's the preach part of it. So before you take your new job, before you say no to your wife or your husband, before you walk out on something, before you do something, before you just say, this is what I'm going to do, quit, do this, go there, before you do any of those things, make sure God's going that direction. Before you say, I do, make sure God's going that direction. Before you say, I do, to a man, woman, you know, is this, look at your life. Not just my desires, but I will, no, no, no. Is God going this direction? If God's going that direction, then I'm good. But if I'm, is it? You can't go the direction against God expecting your life to be blessed. So why would you go that direction, brother? What's wrong with you? It's, well, that ain't the way Jesus is going. Why would you be going that way? Make sure he's going the same direction. Can you say amen? Yeah. Too often people make these choices. They make the choice, and they say, yeah, and God's a part of it. He's a part of it, but he, he's, he's not the Lord in this whole thing. He's, he's just a guy on the boat, but he ain't in charge of nothing. He can't change your mind, can't change your plans. He ain't God. He ain't God. You are. You call the shots and you say, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. No, no, no. Come on, man. You, you want to have some peace in your life? You want to have some peace in your life for the journey of life? Make sure you make before you make that crazy choice that Jesus is going that direction. Mm. Especially... We already said it, so I won't say it. Make sure you invited God to the ship. And make sure that God's with you. The Bible says this suddenly a strong wind comes. And Jesus was in the back of the boat sleeping. The Bible does say in the verse 36, it talks about other boats were with him. It points that out. There was other boats with Jesus in the storm, but only Jesus was in one boat. It really does matter if Jesus with us. Because if Jesus is with us, then you know what? We can handle things, church. You can handle life. You can handle, you heard Larry's testimony. If Jesus is with us, we can handle breakups. We can handle addictions. We can handle habits. We can handle setbacks. We can handle our hearts being broken. We can ha- it's not easy, but we can handle it if he's with us. But woe to the man or the woman who goes their way and just do their own thing and they're handling the conflicts, the difficulty, the storms of life by their own power. They're not leaning on God for nothing. They're leaning on themselves. That's, oh, that's not a way to live. That's no life. Jesus made a statement. I'll come back to it next week. He says, let us go over. And if God says we can go over, what does that mean? That's a promise of a good future. They're in the storm. Jesus didn't say, let's go drown and see a godly. He said, let's go over. In other words, I'm giving you a promise. So Jesus knew the storm was coming. When the storm comes, I'm giving you a promise now that you better hold on to this promise. Because in the middle of the storm, you're going to think, I'm not even alive. You're going to want to give up on everything. But trust the promise for all of us, we're going to get to the other side. I know. When you're in it, it, at that moment, it's hard, very hard. You say, am I even going to get... 
I, am I even going to make it to the other side? That's all I want to do. You, you're thinking, I don't know, but yes, you can. But Jesus, oh, yes, you can. In fact, nothing can stop you if he's with you. The storm, I don't care how bad the disciples thought it was, that storm could not stop the purposes of God. Jesus said, we're going to the other side. In other words, I don't care what you're seeing right now. I don't care what you're feeling right now, disciples. You're going to make it to the other side. Everything within you is saying one thing, but I'm telling you something else. It's called God giving us a promise. You know, I, I called people out. I usually never, almost never do this. I don't know how long ago I called some people out. If you remember, I gave like three or four people, or maybe five people words, which I never do, but I felt so impressed to do it. But one thing I'm going to add to that word that I must, must have given you, that word, we get a word and we think it's for the moment. The fulfillment of that word may take years. So I want to say to those I gave a word to, that word I gave is only the beginning of the promise. It takes time to fulfillment of it. And everyone that got a word, and everyone is totally different. Some things will happen quickly. Some things will take years to take place. But we hear the word immediately. We say, we're there. We're on this side. You're on this side. There's a storm first. Hmm. The Bible says in Jeremiah, you know the verse, for I know the plans and thoughts I have for you, says the Lord, plans of peace and well-being, not for your disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Psalm says it like this, you, you, Lord God, have done wonderful things. You have planned wonderful things for us. No one is like you, and, and we'd never be able to tell all the things you have done for us. Our God is a good God. Let me see, I have it here. Oh. Where did I put it? Well, I did have a, <clears throat> a napkin. Snow bought me some napkins, handkerchiefs for my sweat. I've been saying I'm going to get some for the last 35 years. He got me some. I brought it and I already lost it. <laughs> Give me a pack of them. I got another pack in here that Gabe bought me. They're in there unwrapped. It's all wrapped up, so to wipe off my sweat. But anyway, it has nothing to do with the sermon. <clears throat> Other than that God's good for us. And move on. In that same thought, quickly few more moments make sure that jesus is steering your ship verse 38 and jesus was sleeping with his head on the pillow it's one thing to allow jesus on your boat but it's another thing to allow him to be the commander of your boat sleeping on the pillow is a place only for the captain the captain gets that place no place no one else gets that place he's the captain of my soul he is the lord of my life he gets that place he gets the ship that's where he gets to go but some people jesus gets on board they don't give him that place yeah i'm glad you're on board jesus find a place to sit oh you don't be lord i'm just take the captain's chair you ain't taking the captain's chair that's my chair well no not at all and so here we have a new year. Is it going to be new obedience or is it going to be same disobedience in a new year? I, I don't know. You know we, have, we have to make that choice. Is, is he going to be the one that's going to lead? Is he going to be the one that would guide? In the articles that talk about the captain of the ship, he would make the calls. He would look out. He would make the calls with one other man. But the disciples gave Jesus that place. That's where he was at. Why? Because that's where you belong. You can see better than I can see, and you know more than I know. God, you run the ship. 
You make the call, God. Does God is God allowed to do that in our lives? People talk about it, but a lot of times we only talk. So have we really given him control of everything? Talking about making Jesus the center of our life. We talked about that three weeks ago about worship, praise, I mean worship and service. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says it like this. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find, you'll find all for everyday needs, all the human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing now, and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with hard things that come up as time comes. That's what he's talking about. You know what? You're going to be on my life, Lord. You're going to be in my boat. But, you know, I give you the right to rule and reign in my life. You call the shot. You're the captain of my soul. You, you call it. I put everything under your control, everything under your, your command, God. I, that's how I want to live. person that lives like that will find peace. Because only Jesus can deal with certain things. And this storm, none of these guys can deal with. They desperately needed Jesus on board because Jesus has power that no man has. In other words, there's things you can only face with the power of God and you're working in your life. Hmm. So here Jesus is sleeping. Now there's some people talk about why was Jesus sleeping. I don't know. The obvious one, he was tired. That's too obvious. You read the whole story. He's very, actually, he's very tired. But that's another sermon. Very, very tired. He's wore out. He's going to sleep. Okay, that's a, that's a practical part. Okay. But there's another part. An application would be Jesus is sleeping because the man, a woman who rests in God can always find sleep in the middle of a storm. Listen, the storm didn't wake Jesus up. The cry of his people did. A storm ain't going to shake God. But what moves the hand of God is and you cry out to him. When you cry out to God, that gets his attention. It's a whole new ballgame now. He's asleep. And, and, and they wake him up. The Bible says it like this. I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in me. And so he is our example. You and I can learn to, to, to rest during storms if we trust him. That's not easy to rest during storms. Can you say amen? It's not easy to rest during storms. Hmm. So let me move on. You got a couple more minutes? A new year, new long-winded preacher. Oh, yeah, baby. But here's another thought is, Jesus is sleeping. And the reason why he's sleeping is because they're not talking to him. You want to make sure you don't let God go to sleep in your life. Because you stop talking to them. Sometimes people take people with them on a road trip, not to help them, but just keep them awake. And what do they do? Just talk to me so I stay awake. It's not the same with Jesus, but the truth is, for some reason, they stop talking to him. Okay, the obvious one, he's tired, he sleeps. But here's another idea or another thought I had. No doubt when they first started out, it was, there was a great calm. When they first started out at the beginning, 
The sailing was smooth. There's no problem at all. Why? They're fishermen. They knew the storm. They've gone through storms before, bad storms. Nothing's going to freak them out. But the beginning of the story, it was perfectly calm, no problem at all. When things are perfectly calm, I don't need to talk to God. I got it handled. That's the, that's the deception. You've got to learn to talk to them during the calm because when the difficult comes, talking during the calm is what's going to keep you when it's difficult. And so what happens, disciples are thinking, you know, we got this handled. It's all under our control. No problem at all. That's right. Some of you right now, this is you right here. Now, don't point at one another and say, I know it's you. No, don't do that. We have fights going on in the church. But some of this is you right here. You think you got it all under control and you stop talking to God. So here's my thought. What are you so good at that you don't need to talk to God anymore about? You all fancy self. What are you so proficient at that you don't need to ask God for his advice anymore? What are you so darn smart about that you just, you know what, I got my stuff together. I got it so together. I don't need to talk to God about it, Pastor. I'm fine. Woo, watch out when some man or woman says, I don't need to talk to God anymore. It's smooth sailing. I don't need you right now. It's fine. Trust me. It may be, it may be smooth sailing right now. But you say, I don't need to talk to God. God said, well, I got a way of making some adjustments in, the life, in your life. So you know what? I'll get you to talk to me. Not only do I bring calm and storms, but I bring storms. I bring peace, but I also bring some waves. Ask Jonah. You don't talk to me? Oh, all right. Go with your bad self. I'll be talking to you about three weeks from now. Two, two weeks from today, you're going to be on your knees crying out to me. Uh, you, you mark it down. You, God has a way of getting our attention. So I don't pray much. God has a way to get you. All you do is pray. When I was in the hospital, all, I could do nothing else. You know, I said, sit, sit God help me. God help me. I said about a million times, God help me. God help me. It's all I could do for three days. I probably won't do that again. But the point I'll make it is, God has a way of getting our attention. God has a way of bringing you to an end of yourself. And you're foolish to think just because it's calm, I don't need to talk to him no more. Before you had a job, you talked to him. Before you had a house, you talked to him. Before you were blessed, you talked to him a lot. Now you've been blessed. I don't need to talk to him, okay. Foolish. Hmm. So I end right here. If my people will humbly pray and turn back to me and stop sinning, then I will answer them from heaven. I'll forgive them and make the land fertile once again. I ended here with a challenge to us. We're going to watch a video in a moment. But we're going to pray and fasting. We do this every six months. We haven't done it in a while here because as a pastor, I've been able to do a whole lot. So I didn't want to ask you to do something. I can't even do it. So I never asked for it, but I'm doing a little bit better now. In fact, people have asked me to pray for it. Pray for my heart. Uh, so what's wrong with your heart? My heart rate goes up and down, fluctuates a lot. It might be, I don't know what it is right now, it might be 61 minute, and five minutes later it might be 147, or five minutes later it might be, it might be at max 157. For no rhyme or reason, I walked out in my backyard to work out Jason, just walked out, literally walked out, got ready to work out. My heart rate was already at max. I hadn't done anything. 
So my heart rate goes way up, comes way down, and the doctor says, you just got to keep doing what you're doing. We have no answers for you. So you pray, my heart would just get in, you know, rhyme of my body so things could work out. It's weird being like this, like this. Like, so you see me like I am, they go, you know what happened, you know. <laughs> but no, just pray, my heart can get in, get in order here. But So we'll be praying and fasting Monday, Tuesday, and breaking it on Wednesday. If you can fast a day or two days or even the three days, uh, I would suggest if you drink coffee a lot, you probably want to keep drinking coffee because you go through withdrawals and you think you're die. <laughs> but, you know, it's between you and God. The church will be open here from 5 to 12 on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And we got some people signed up. Some people come at 5 a.m., 5 to 8. Some are coming to 5 to 8. I'm going to come from uh, 10 to 12. But you can take the time. You want to come. If it's not on here, put a time that you'd like to come. Just come and spend some time. And I need to say, Pastor, what am I going to do for two hours or an hour? You come. I pray for five minutes. I look around. <laughs> well, it's all right. Stay Trust me. You come and get in God's presence. Read your Bible, write a few notes. I just think about the people in the church, write a few ideas for sermons, work on a sermon, talk to God, walk around, talk. You'd be amazed how fast time goes when you're not worried about time. It's, you think about it. People can go to Disneyland and stand in line for hours for a 20-second ride. And you can't spend one hour in God's presence. Really? So we'll come and we'll pray. You know, we could pray in any of the rooms separately. In the evening, six to seven, we'll pray for a little bit. And we'll sing one song. And then one of the guys is going to teach for 10 minutes on Monday night and Tuesday night. Come and be with us if you can. The sign-up will be in the back. If you've never done this before, um, the home church does it. They have four hours. They have four hours. People sign up for four hours for prayer. First time I heard of that, I thought, you guys are crazy. It's all, four hours. What do you do four hours? You know, amazing. In my home church, we did it. I was amazed that I, you, you, you can go four hours. I'm going to ask if you to go four hours. I'll be happy if you just went a few minutes. You come for an hour. It goes by so fast or 30 minutes, whatever. And every time we have a church, church opens before church for prayer. You, you, you know, let's be real about this. You, even you come five or ten minutes. There's a difference. You come to church on Thursday night and you sit down in God's presence, read your Bible, just, just calm yourself down before the sermon comes. You get more out of the service. Just spend 15 minutes, 20 minutes. No one's going to be marking your time. It's you and God. But if you've never done it before, I challenge you to come and do it with us. Even just sit and listen to people pray. Whatever. But Chronicles, God says, if you take time, you take time to seek my face. He says, I'll heal your land. I'm not talking about the land of our country. I'm talking about the land of our hearts. I want to, I don't know about you, I want to be different each day. In a good way. More loving, more kind. 